This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southall, and this is Los Walters. Yes, and of course, this is Encounter with God. 20 Million Movement, where we get stuck into the Bible, Bible study time. Today, we get to study one of the most uh, famous chapters of the Bible, which is um, super exciting. One of my favorite chapters in or uh, sermons, I, I, I guess you could say, Oof. in the entire scriptures. So there you go. The longest, the longest one in the Bible. Mm. All coming up. All coming up this week. That's our subject for the week. That's awesome. I'm keen. Yep. I'm super keen. But before let's we do it. that. Okay. Before we do, do that, what have we got? Quiz. What have we got? Here we go. So, what book am I? This book tells that people were robbing God in their tithes and offerings. Ooh. There you go. There you go. So, you can actually rob God. You would sort of wonder, how could I rob God? You know, I'm going to sneak into heaven sometime and (laughs) steal a few paving stones, bring them back to this earth, um, sell them off for, um, you know, fabulous wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the paving stones in heaven are made out of gold, so <laughs> yeah. transparent gold, my you. We don't actually have gold. transparent gold on earth, so different kind of gold that they have up there. Um, yeah. But uh, this says that there's another way that you can rob God. It does indeed. So, you should go and read that. Okay, yeah. 1-800-324-843 <laughs> is the number to call if you know which book of the Bible speaks about tithes and offerings and talks about how we can rob God. We can actually Ooh. steal from God in relationship to tithes and offerings. Mm. I thought the New Testament did away with tithes and offerings. Isn't there a verse in the New Testament somewhere that says tithes and offerings are done away with? Um, not that I know of. <laughs> it's interesting I have a lot of people Who come to me like Oh you know The New Testament Does away with tithes And offerings It's like uh, Where Please <laughs> yeah. Please Please reveal where you know, God only wanted God only wanted people In the Old Testament To be generous But now We're in New Testament times God wants you to be selfish now <laughs> So true. You know, they did not read what Jesus. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read. I'm, you've got me sidetracked, but I'm gonna read this. Uh, right. This is what Jesus said, and and this will do your head in when you read it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you pay tithe of mint <clears throat> and anise and cumin. Those are herbs. Yeah. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. What is it, and everybody misses the point of this, well, part of the point of this verse, what is it that Jesus tells us to do in this verse? To to have love and mercy and justice and all those things. Yes. Um, and put those things before tithes and offerings. Yes. Um, before tithes and offerings on your herb garden. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it, what it, I guess what it doesn't say is like stop giving. No, 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 no. It says something else that you should do. Okay. So let me read this again. Let me read. See, see, everybody misses this. It's a a trick passage. Everybody misses it. All right. These ought you, uh, okay. So you've admitted the weightier matters of the Lord, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it tells us to, you know, focus on the weightier matters of the Lord, judgment, mercy, and faith, and not leave the other undone. So what does he actually tell you to do? To pay tithe. To return tithe on your <laughs> herb garden. 
Absolutely. By the way, you don't pay tithe. You can't pay tithe. You return it. Yes, right. You return tithe. God gives us everything we've got anyway. There's no such thing as paying tithe. We return tithe, and here God gets stuck into them because, you know, returning your tithe on your herb garden is kind of small thing. Yeah. You know, and, and they're all very specific about picking off their uh, their leaves of, uh, let me see here, uh, mint. Their mint leaves, mm. pick off nine. Okay, there's number 10. I'll give that to the Levites, pick off another nine. Oh, there's one at number 10. I'll pass that on to the Levites. Very particular about that. But in the process, they've left out judgment, mercy, and faith. Oof. It's like you need to have judgment, mercy, and faith because these are much bigger issues. But at the same time, don't stop returning tithe. That's what Jesus actually says. That was his whole attitude towards yeah. the concept of tithe. And people are like, oh, no, no, no. Jesus came to do away with all that stuff. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, the only things that I've ever had, everything that, uh, you know, people, people blame everything that they don't like on the Old Testament. Yeah. If they don't like it. True. It's like, oh, that's the Old Testament. Um, well, you know, what about marriage? I, I find people enjoy weddings. <laughs> You can't get further into the Old Testament than marriage, can you? Marriage, yeah. So why do we still have marriage? Well, because you know, it's a po- very positive thing and people enjoy it. But if it's not, if, if people are feeling stingy, and what tithe does really is it reveals our heart. It reveals mm. where our heart is. Mm. Uh, and when we're stingy on our tithes and our offerings, it reveals that you know our heart is just not right with God. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I've had some incredible blessings, uh, some incredible stories of my own in relationship to tithe and offerings. And I know we're sidetracked, but it's an important sidetrack. When I was young and growing up, when I was nine years old, we spent four months with my maternal grandparents in Western Australia. We were, of course, from Tasmania. We came back from that. We were broke, like so ridiculously broke. It wasn't funny. Um it would be about 1980, and my dad was giving my mum $5 a week to spend on housekeeping. Mm-hmm. So they had to buy the food for five people. Our cousin was living with us as well. So food for five people, clothing, uh, dishwashing detergent, whatever. It was $5 a week for housekeeping. Now, in 1980, $5 a week would go further than what it does today, but not yeah. that far. <laughs> so we were really, really, really poor. Mm. And my parents were really godly people. They used to return a second tithe. Oh. Not because the Bible says you have to, just because they love God. Mm. And so they're looking at the finances and they're going, you know what, we're really hard up against it right now. Maybe let's just cut back to one tithe, you know, just the one that the Bible specifically speaks about. And that was the only month where we ever really felt like we struggled and were wondering whether we would be able to put food on the table. Mm. And my dad went to my mom and said, you know what? We need to go back to returning our second tithe again because if we don't, we're going to starve to death here. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what they did. And my dad kept accounts for the first part of that year. And every month we were spending way more money than we were getting and he could never find out where the money was coming from. Mm. Because this is back in the days of paper money. Yeah. So you know, it wasn't just people sneaking into the bank account or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like loaves and fishes. Every time he opened his wallet, there was money there. Mm. And so he stopped keeping accounts because he didn't believe it was right to, it was just his personal conviction it was right to keep accounts on God. Mm. Um, he's just like, no, I'm just going to let this year go through and um, and let God bless as he see fit, sees fit. And this is a really important lesson to me because it illustrates a couple of things. First of all, God says he will pour out blessings mm-hmm. that you won't be able to receive them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people interpret that and they say, oh, that means that God is going to make you wealthy if you return tithe. 
Yeah. No, God is going to bless you if you return tithe. Mm-hmm. That was the poorest year we ever had. But you can talk to me, you can talk to my brother, you can talk to my cousin, you can talk to all three of us, and we will all three tell you that was the greatest year of our childhood. Mm. It was our bestest year. It was our funnest year. Mm. It was the highlight of our childhood right there. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, I've had my own experiences working in volunteer ministries and <laughs> rocking up the church. I, I had this, this one particular example where, where during, like, I had these huge expenses during the week and, and um, you know, working for, for free for the church and I just had absolutely nothing. Like, I had nothing and I'm driving to church and my car's below empty, like, on, on, on Sabbath and I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get home. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm going to drive to church and I guess I'm just going to try and drive home and run out of fuel and then that's going to be it. Like, it's, I'm, I'm done. Park it on the side of the road uh, and walk. And walk. Like, I have nothing and I've driv- driven to church. Like, I, I remember praying and like, God, like, just to help me. I, I don't know, like, what to do. Just help me out. Just just make sure that, that you just, just protect me in this way. Just support me. And, um... Yeah, just having the experience of like walking through the front doors of a church that I'd been working at for like literally three weeks. And this lady comes up to me, this older woman, and she's like, oh, Lawson, love the work you've been doing. And I just want to support you. So here, have some, like puts like 50 bucks in my hand. I'm like, what? No, no, come on, slow down. She's like, no, Lawson, this is what I want to bless you with. And... Then it just kept happening. People just coming up to me and saying like, oh, Lawson, you know, love the work you've been doing. We know you're working for free here. Be be blessed in this way. And I was like, I I left church that day, like over $200 richer. (laughs) Like, no joke. And like, there was uh, nothing prompted this. I didn't tell anyone. Just Uh people, like I decided to give my time to God to to really, yeah. And I had nothing and God just supported me. And luckily I got to stay at church all day because we had a bunch of programs on. And then at nighttime, drove out of church Drove to the petrol station, my car, I pulled the clutch in to roll up to the bowser and my car stalled. Wow. (laughs) You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. That's an incredibly powerful testimony right there because, once again, it highlights the point that God did not make you wealthy. But God blessed, but blessed you. Man. You would God have been just blessed. praising God the whole way home. Oh, it was it was amazing, you know. It's like just just to know that the God's looking out for you in that way, and that's because, like you said, tithe shows the heart. Yes. It, but life is like what Jesus is saying to these guys. Life is even more than tithe. Their their like relationship with God is more than tithe. It's to you know love justice and and mercy and and to have faith and all these things. And and when you sink yourself into all those things, when when your heart is truly converted in that way. God will bless. Um, and, and obviously, like, conversion is just this amazing, like, work of the Holy Spirit and your heart. You know, it's not how hard you, you know, white knuckle it and, and grip on tight and grip grit your teeth. No, it's just letting God do work in your life and just saying, oh, I'll be okay because God is with me. And and having that experience in that way, like, that that showed me. Because I, I think at the time, you know, being a relatively new Christian, being fresh in ministry, I was thinking all the time, like, oh, man, is, is, is this where God wants me to be? And that was one of those times that God really highlighted to me, like, yeah, like, you're giving your life to me and therefore I'm going to bless you for it. 
No, and yeah, that's a cool testimony that yeah, I love to share with people. That's awesome. a very cool story. Praise God for that one. All right, <laughs> let's go to our Bible study passage, which is Matthew chapter five, and we're going to start reading in verse one. You know, I memorized this uh, passage one time. Oh yeah, a fair while ago. Don't ask me to quote it. <laughs> Just start reading. Give, give us the first three verses right there. All right. The Bible says in Matthew chapter five and verse one. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountain side and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, so let's stop right here before we go any further and let's paint a bit of a picture of what is taking place. Notice what Jesus does. He sees crowds of people gathering around. Mm-hmm. Why are they gathering around Jesus? Because they want to hear what Jesus has to say. Hmm. And so what does Jesus do? Uh, he goes up on the mountain. He goes up on a mountain, so he's probably finding like a you know a bit of a natural amphitheater, something mm-hmm. like that, which would be conducive to speaking to a group of people. And then what does he do? Uh, he gets them all to sit down. He gathers the disciples around him, and he begins to teach. And he sits down as well. True. Yeah. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Where does it say that? Oh, uh-huh. yeah, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. That's right. There you go. He bam. did. Okay. So next, here's, here's your challenge for you. Next time you, uh, next time you preach, Lawson. Yeah. Is um, yep. Just take a chair up onto the uh, pulpit there, and sit down. I actually have an awesome story about one time when I sat down preaching, but we we'll leave it for later. But it was actually from Ethiopia, and I like sat down halfway through my sermon. Um, well, at the end of my sermon, to just show them, like, basically, I wasn't going to leave until a bunch of people decided to get baptized, <laughs> and then a bunch of people came forward and got baptized. So that Praise was awesome. God. But anyways, awesome. <laughs> I had a uh, I was in church one time, and the preacher got up. He stood up at the pulpit, and he said, "Well, the Bible says that Jesus sat whenever Jesus taught his disciples, he sat down and, te- and taught." And he turned around, he went back and got a chair and sat down. <laughs> That's awesome. And then he just he just opened his Bible and taught. And he was just it was just because he was an old codger. Yeah. And he just didn't have it left in him to stand up there for um, you know, forty minutes or so. Yeah. And so he pulled up a chair and, you know, old codgers that have been presenting the word of God their entire life, they mm. just they just know how to break down the word of God and just bring yeah. out, you know, rich, full and we were just all sitting there like, Wow, <laughs> this is so amazing and he just sit, sat there and taught us. It was just a Bible study. It was fantastic. That's awesome. We need to we need we need to do more of we need to have more Bible studies and less um more teaching, less preaching. True. Yes, true. Because this is what Jesus did. This is the longest sermon that you find anywhere in the Bible by Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he sat down and he was teaching. Mm. It's a Bible study. That's right. Okay, so Jesus sits down to teach. And the very first thing, verse 3 there that he says? He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. It's kind of the opposite of the prosperity gospel, isn't it? Mm. You know, the prosperity gospel says that, you know, God wants to bless you with wealth. Mm. But here uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, No, God blesses the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if God wants to bless you with wealth, then wealth is obviously a sign of the blessing of God. That's mm-hmm. you know the natural conclusion to that um, concept of the prosperity gospel. Now, if Jesus says that the kingdom of God does not belong to the wealthy but to the poor and particularly the poor in spirit, so the humble in spirit, so there's a difference between being poor and poor in spirit, uh, then, um, you know, if if uh, 
If, if, if God, you know, is blessing those people, then that's the complete opposite of uh, prosperity gospel. Mm. Man, right there. Okay, so what does it mean here? What does it mean here uh, when it says, or in, as it says in my translation, the poor in spirit? Poor in spirit, I think it's talking about people who are broken. It's talking about those who are who are. It says in in my translation, it says poor and realize their need for him. Oh wow, that's that's cool translation. Yeah, I like that. It's like it, it's so it's, they're humble. They're humble. They they know that that they have a need. Yes, they're like in it of myself. I don't have anything left. I don't have anything that I could possibly do. Like I need God. Yes, and I, you know, and that's 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 the first step right there. Like absolutely. that is the like absolute first step to a relationship with Jesus and conversion is realizing that hey, I have a need. Yep, I have a need for God in my life, and it's like God blesses those people, which is a powerful thing because it's like, you know, it's it's the needy and the downtrodden and the poor in spirit. They're the they're the people who need to be blessed. I think there's another aspect of this as well. Because you can be wealthy and saved. Some people, you know, people go to extremes. You've got the prosperity gospel that says, um, mm. you know, money is a sign of the blessing of God. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other extreme that poverty is a sign of the blessing of God. And both of them try and use the Bible to back themselves up. But here, it, in my translation, it says poor in spirit. And it reminds me of wealthy people who are poor in spirit. And so as a young person growing up, one of the people who had an impact on my life uh, from a Christian perspective was a businessman uh, there in Tasmania who was really fabulously wealthy. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he was the kind of person, if you were walking down the street in Hobart, you know, I, I've seen him cross the street, come across to talk to me. I would have been, what, 14. Mm. You know, when you get this guy that, um, you know, owns like skyscrapers in Hobart who crosses the street to talk to a 14-year-old boy and to encourage him spiritually, mm. it has a big impact on your life. Yeah. This was a person who was humble and poor in spirit. And, um, yeah, just, just a very, very powerful mm. um Powerful experience for me as a young person. Something we need to we we need to keep in mind. Let's keep going here. Um, give us our next beatitude. These are called the beatitudes. I don't even know what that word means. Do you know what that word means? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna look that up. You no. read it. I'll look it up. Let's find out what the word <laughs> beatitude right. means. Uh, Matthew chapter five and verse four. The Bible says, "God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted." Okay. Man, I think it's really. When you, as you read through the Beatitudes and, and sort of where we are now, it just it, it gives me this real picture of a God who is, who is just practical. Like, he was just practically smart. Like, as in, like, oh, if you're struggling, like, I want to help you. You know, we, we get these really whack pictures of God of, like, you have to come up to a certain level or you have to be a certain person or even for some people, you have to be a certain race. And God's just like, oh, no, like, I claim to be a God of love. And so, if you're struggling, I want to love you and help you. Absolutely. <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so just looking at Beatitudes right here. comes from the uh, Latin Beati, which means, or Beatitudo, um, which was a term coined by Cicero. There you go. Uh, but beati means blessed, rich, and happy. Oh, okay. So it's like if you do these things. These know. are all of the people that are going to be blessed, rich, rich and happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so when we look at uh, blessed are those that mourn, they shall be comforted. There's a number of, of aspects of, of ways of looking at this. Obviously, you know, Jesus is here to bring us comfort. Mm. Um, and all of us go through times of great grief and pain at at, at on various occasions, but 
God is here to mm. bring us uh, comfort at those times. But there's a deeper spiritual meaning here where blessed are those that mourn. Uh, when you look at it in the context of the whole passage, righteousness is a theme that comes through and mourning for our own lack of righteousness, or in other words, an understanding of our need of God's grace mm. and of the an understanding of the... Um, of how corrupt our natural human heart can actually yes. be. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like when you read, a mourning for sin. Yeah, it's, and that's that's an. Do like, we love sin? Do we chase it? Do we seek it out? Do we like? Oh yes, I'm so glad that that sin tripped me up today, and I didn't see it coming because now I've got an excuse for it. Um, it's like you know, oh wow, that was a you know. Um, or do we mourn for it when it comes? I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine JJ, hello with this little light of mine. Let's have another clue for our quiz. Get ready to call 1-800-324-843. See if you can answer this one. Lawson, what have we got? Ooh. What book am I? What book am I? My book ends with the word curse. There is an easy way to solve this quiz. Just go through your Bible, look at the last word in each book, and find <laughs> one that ends with the word curse. Curse. And you already know it's like written after the Jews returned from Babylon and it that narrows you know, it down a little bit. You know, it's an extra clue. It's in the Old Testament. I'm pretty sure that's already a clue. No, it's not. 
Um, okay, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Extra clues, extra clues coming out. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um, yeah, coming back to the subject of Beatitudes, um, we were talking about how the uh, the word Beatitude comes from the word blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to read this in Latin, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, it simply reads, reads as Beati pauperes spiritu. You can kind of you can kind of understand that yeah, in English, can't yeah, you? There's, you see the, the the link between Latin and English. Beati pauperes, yeah, you know, pauper, yeah, yeah, uh, spiritu. You just got a gnarly accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do. I c- cannot do the uh, the Latin accent. Oh, good. So that's where the word Beatitudes comes from. It was actually uh, incorporated into the Great Bible of 1540 um, under the headline Beatitudes, and the name has kind of stuck since then. Been called the Beatitudes ever since. Uh, nice, and, and and hence it's one of these words that comes into the English English language, and we have no idea where it came from or what it means, or <laughs> we just we just read these blessings here and go, oh, this is the Beatitudes, and and uh, it's kind of one of those Christianese words that Christianese, um, yeah, people within Christianity know what it means, and anyone outside of Christianity is like, like, what on what? earth are they talking about? What? So <laughs> I like you know when people just call it the Sermon on the Mountain, I'm like. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm with you. I'm with yep. you. Yep. There's something we were talking about before the break. Before but even even Sermon on the Mount, we would say Sermon on the Mountain. On the Mountain. Yeah. Not Mount? Not so much these days. Uh, yeah. I, we I do guess, use the word Mount, but yeah. in that context, we, we'd, we'd probably actually say uh, when Jesus preached a sermon over on the hill over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that one time went up on the hill. Jeez. Sermon on the hill. Sermon on the hill. Did a Bible study. Yeah, you look at the mountains there. They're. Oh, yeah, some of them are big enough to be called mountains for sure. <laughs> anyway. We were talking about mourning for righteousness. Yeah, we were. Let's go on. Let's read uh, verse 5. All right. The Bible says in verse 5 God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yours says humble. Yeah, mine does not say humble. What does yours say? Mine says blessed are the meek. The meek. Yes. Well, I, I guess I, I, they're probably synonyms in contemporary words. So therefore, okay. So meekness has often been defined several ways: righteous, humble, teachable, patient under suffering, long suffering, um, with strength. Mm. So a meek person is actually a very, very strong person. And this is something I think a lot of people miss in modern English when we talk about meek. It's not really a word. Once again, it's not one of those words that you find the average person on the street using. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in your BC days, before Christ days, did you ever use the word meek? No. Nah. Did you ever hear someone use the word meek? Yeah, maybe a couple times. I, I always thought meek was like someone who was like undernourished. That, that was, so weak. Yeah, weak. Weak and meek were like... Yeah, and in modern English, we, we often associate it with weak because it sounds like, you know? Yeah. Sounds meek. like there is. No, that's weak. not how it works. <laughs> uh, so meek is somebody who is able to have patience and patience with strength. Mm. So it's not just I'll put up with anything that, you know, it's not one of these battered wives or battered husbands or something or other who's just a doormat uh, yeah. kind of, you know, that's not patience. That's mm. weakness, not patience. Mm. Uh, patience is something is is somebody that will play the long game, that will will be prepared to wait. Mm. It's another word for it is called delayed gratification. Mm. 
Uh, researchers and psychologists have been able to determine that they can tell whether a child will make a success in their life or not by the age of 12 mm-hmm. based on whether they are able to master delayed gratification. Mm. So the greatest gift that you can ever teach your children is to teach them to master delayed gratification. Mm. And the majority of what a child, 90% of what a human being will ever learn is learnt in the first three years. Oh, wow. Yes. 90% of everything you will ever learn is learned in the first three years of your life. And so that's when you begin by teaching delayed gratification, Mm. which means that there are times, you know, if you're raising children, if you've got a baby and so forth, you are going to let that baby cry because maybe it's not mealtime right now. Mm. And they learn delayed gratification. They learn to master delayed gratification and therefore they're able to be a success in life. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, people, and food is just one example, but it's one of those ones that's a very visible, easy one to see when people mistreat their children because every time the child complains, they shove food in their mouth. And that is just teaching that child to be an absolute failure. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> Big call. Yeah. No, but I, I see, yeah, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> so meekness is somebody who can have patience and who can have long suffering mm. because something good is is coming further down the track. Well, it was Moses who described himself as the meekest man on the earth. And that uh, was because- God described Moses oh, that way. God described Moses as that way. But it was just interesting that Moses wrote it down. And so That's it was- right, because <laughs> Moses was be able to de- delay his gratification, delay entering the promised land, and continue leading God's people for 40 years. Mm. I think that's a pretty good example of delayed gratification right 100%. there. 100%. And y- you look at the whole context of the story of Moses, how he doesn't actually make it in, and he's like super bummed about it. He's like, oh, God, just give me a look. And he's like, God's like, Oh, oh, I don't know. But then Moses ends up going to heaven. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit better. And it's like delayed gratification. Absolutely. So good. Such an amazing story. Absolutely right there. That's what it's all about. And, you know, a person who, a leader at that time who could not deal with delayed gratification would have been like, you know what? Forget it. I'll just go there by myself. Mm. I'll just become an immigrant. I'll wander in and, you know, it'll be a nice place to live. And bye-bye to you guys in the desert. Mm. Uh, but Moses was not that kind of person, oh, not at all. Meekest person who ever lived. So meekness, blessed are the meek. The Bible says, for they shall inherit the earth. It's an interesting context because the inheritance of the earth does not take place until after the second coming of mm. Christ, and it does not take place until after the 1,000 years. Mm-hmm. So once again, delayed, delayed, gratif- gratification. delayed gratification right yeah. here. So much you can learn out of uh, such simple little verses that Jesus has for us. You know, we were supposed to get down to, I think, the end of verse 16. What have we made it down to? Verse uh, 6. We will get there. We will keep going tomorrow. We'll We'll just pick it up tomorrow and keep going. Where are we up to? uh, Verse 6. Verse 6, that's right. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Ooh, hunger and thirst for justice. Yes. This is not actually talking about people who are under oppression. Mm. This is people who are hungering and thirsting for justice for marginalized people in the community. Mm. Now, not only that, but this word actually has two meanings to it because you, the alternative translation is righteousness. Oh, wow. So hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Mm. So the question that we've got to ask ourselves is, okay, how, how badly do I want to be righteous? Yeah. You know, is, is being righteous today, living my life right, living a pure and a holy life today, is that something that 
I actually actually hunger for. You know, you when you wake up in the morning, you're hungry. It's like, man, I've got to have some food. <laughs> I am hungry. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that whole delayed gratification thing, you've got to like, yeah, mm, 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 mm. got to try and deal with that until uh, you can get some food in your belly <laughs> or it might be uh, at lunchtime or the end of the day or whatever it might be. Um, hunger pangs are not fun, but that's how we should approach righteousness.
Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts, free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. Pastor BJ, and I'd like to invite you to join us at Bunbury's Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are a vibrant church community that meets every Sabbath at 9.30am for Bible study, followed by a worship service at 11am. There are a number of groups that meet throughout the week where we eat, share and study the Bible together, including groups for families and young people. For more information, please contact me on 0422 896 553. That's 0422 896 553. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Melissa Otto with Citizen. Here Classic. On yeah. Anybody's, nobody snapped up the prize yet. No, they haven't. Nobody's got the prize yet. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. So give us a call right now and there will be a prize coming your mm. way if you can answer what book of the Bible this is. Yeah, and we've gone through the clues already. You know, this book was written after the Jews had returned from Babylon. By an Italian. Um Oh, yes. <laughs> the Italian prophet. No, um, it's, it's not actually. It's so hard for me not to say like what it is after that because the joke is the Italian prophet. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. No, this book there. tells us that people were robbing God with their tithes and offerings. Quote, see, I will send you a pro- the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So if you know what that is, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you will get a prize completely for free. But Lyle, yes, w- our question of the day. Yes, are you ready? I am ready. This is something that I've personally wanted to know for for a little while. Okay, so this is this is coming from Lawson. Yeah. Okay. You you count as a listener, so, so you're allowed to ask questions. So basically, this question is: Why did Jesus eat fish? And and the context of that is that he died, you know, resurrected, went to heaven came back and then ate fish. Wasn't he in like a glorified perfect body or something? Why did Jesus eat yep. fish? Tell us. Okay, so the Bible says in John chapter nine, uh, John chapter 20 and verse 19, the same day at evening, uh, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples had assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the middle of them and said, Peace be unto you. So first of all, we note here that the doors were shut and locked and barred and they were hiding from the Jews. Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes and stands in the middle of them. The Bible doesn't say that he opened the door and came in or knocked on the door, or tried in any other way to gain entry, he just stood in the midst of them. Can you do that with your body right now? No. Okay, so Jesus has a glorified body. No question about this because he's able to do things with his body that you and I are not able Mm. to do. And who knows what we will be able to do once we have a glorified body. The disciples thought he was a bit of a, thought he might have been a ghost. As you can imagine, the doors are locked and he turns up and it's like, wow, what's going on here? Is this a spirit being? And Jesus is like, no, I'm not a spirit being. Um, and so he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them the scars and encouraged them to touch him mm-hmm. so they could feel and see that he wasn't a spirit being. And they're still a little bit like, you know, wondering what's going on. In verse 41, and while they yet, this is sorry, but, uh, Luke now, Luke 24, verse 41, continuing the story, while they yet believed not mm-hmm. for joy and wondered, he said to them, have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and ate it before them. Okay, so this was kind of, the reason that Jesus is eating fish and honeycomb at this particular point right here is part of him saying, hey guys, calm down, I'm not a ghost. Mm. This is really me. I am really here as a human being with human needs, with a human body. Not only did Jesus eat fish, but the Bible says that he went fishing. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? He went. He caught fish. Yeah. And this was some days later. Uh, they were up at Galilee, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, uh, that they've seen someone on the shore, and he says to Peter, that's the Lord. Um, and, and, and when Peter heard it was the Lord, he, he put his fish's coat over him um, and threw himself into the sea and swam ashore. Mm-hmm. And the other disciples came in the little ship, for they were not far from land, um, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And as soon as they came to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish 
laid thereon and bread. So Jesus not only ate fish, but he went fishing and caught fish and made bread and lit a fire and did very real physical things. And you've got a whole long list of those that take place right here. Okay, so here's what Jesus is illustrating by doing so. He is illustrating, number one, that he is still a human being. Mm. He is not a spirit being. He's making it super clear that no, he is not a ghost. Because the question that would go through our minds for the rest of eternity was, in what form was Jesus resurrected? You know, is this just a ghost? Is, is this the ghost of Jesus that is going around? Because, you know, Greek mythology that was pervasive in those days was that when you died, you became a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, I've died, I've resurrected. I am not a ghost. I am a physical human being. That's the first thing that Jesus is illustrating. The second thing is that he is illustrating is that he is a human being and that he will retain his humanity for the rest of eternity. Uh, so he's, when Jesus came to this earth and became a human being, that wasn't just for 33 years. That was for eternity. Yeah, he wow. is resurrected. He is a human being. However, the third thing that it is illustrating is that uh, his glorified body is different from our physical body and uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 21 it says that he will change our vile body to be fashioned like his glorious body. One day we'll have a body just like Jesus, a human one. Awesome. Absolutely. It'll be a human body but it will be glorified and able to do things we can't do right now. Let me see, this is Shane and Shane with Take Over. Thirsty, I'm thirsty for you. In a dry land with no dream, I need you. Know you made a home inside this heart of stone, so turn it into flesh. Spirit soften it. I give you all I have. I'm holding nothing back. Jesus, I am yours. Jesus, I am yours. Take over, lover of my soul. Take control. I surrender. It's not. No. Oh. 
Shane and Shane with uh, Takeover here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the show. We're about to yes. give something away. Yes. Lawson, you have something wild sitting on the desk right in front of you that just arrived in a uh, <laughs> brown paper bag. What on earth do you have there? So I bought an instrument called a melodica. A melodica. What, on, what are you going to do with a melodica? It's, it's basically a piano that you 
play by blowing in. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most epic thing ever, and it was a total impulse buy, and I need to repent for it. But I'm like, I'm like so happy because it's awesome. So if you want to uh, hear lots of really nice melodic music, just head along to uh, Raymond Terrace yeah. Church, and Lawson will be playing there. <laughs> yes, um, they, they play this on, uh, on on Steve Colbert's show. You know that? Oh. That's just like one of the featured instruments. <laughs> there you go. So well, it's pretty awesome. So maybe I can do a little demo awesome on Faith FM one day. Piece of, <laughs> piece of amazingness. What are, what are we giving away today? We're giving away a book here called uh, Spirit Baptism and New Wineskin Fellowship. This is by Dennis Smith. Tell us all about it there, Lawson. All Dennis right. Smith, of course, very acclaimed author. Um, really good material on the Holy Spirit and prayer and so forth. Mm. Well, I, I think, you know, for me, I, I thought it was a really good and important book to give away because it's just, it's ultimately, uh, here's a bit of the blurb. It says, in this book, Spirit Baptism and New Wine Fellowship, uh, Pastor Smith looks both biblical and historically at the early Christ- how the early Christians did church. And it's like, if there's any way that God wants to to lead his body, um, it's, it's, it's how they should do church. And so, if you want this book, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you'll get it completely for free.
Thank you.